Hi everyone, I'm Kate Charlesworth. I'm a public health physician and I'm the medical director of the Climate Risk and Net Zero um, Unit at New South Wales Health. Um, and at Quality and Safety, I'll be talking about how we can, how our net zero decarbonisation in healthcare is so well aligned with quality and safety and a lot of the things that we're trying to do anyway in healthcare. So my name's Ros Morgan. I'm a nurse who works in intensive care and I'm also the Victorian Environmental Health Officer with the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Federation. At the conference, I'll be speaking, I think, mostly about demystifying what it means to be working in areas such as decarbonisation. You know, it's not in our curriculum. We don't necessarily understand what it means. So, you know, how do, how do we actually participate in that space if we haven't been taught about it? So demystifying that and how we can all be a part of the necessary transformation for every sector, and in this case, healthcare. What role does healthcare play in climate change and what role should it play in climate change? Here's a fun fact. If, so if the health system were a country, it would be the fifth biggest polluter on the planet. So health systems use huge amounts of resources. We produce vast amounts of waste. We still use fossil fuel-based energy. We have a big carbon footprint. Um, that's the, the global um, emissions there, but in Australia, about 7% of our national emissions are from healthcare. So, uh, you know, you could argue that healthcare as a major contributor to the climate crisis is effectively producing its own patients. You know? We are major polluters contributing to the climate crisis, which is harming human health um, and having impacts on, on people. So we have a big responsibility in this space. But I think the really interesting and exciting thing about this is how it's also a huge opportunity. Um, we're seeing at New South Wales Health that we can improve care and improve patient experience whilst reducing waste and emissions at the same time. So it's a win-win situation. Often there are financial savings as well. And I think what we're coming to understand too is how interested and engaged our health practitioners are. Um, people, health professionals really um, are concerned about climate. Many of them are concerned about climate. They understand the interconnections between climate and health and they really want to be part of our net zero transition. So we're starting to understand this is a, this is a, a huge responsibility, certainly, but a tremendous opportunity also for the health system. I think, too, that as healthcare professionals, you know, nurses, midwives, doctors, we're right up there as community educators and trusted communicators within the uh, within communities. So there's certainly a role for us to play in that respect. It's quite intimidating when we look at these trajectories, whether we're looking at greenhouse gases or um, the contribution of healthcare or, you know, our use of plastic and how this is, you know, all of those trajectories are going up. And the impact of that is that we can feel quite overwhelmed and disempowered. But as healthcare workers, we don't have that luxury because we're frontline responders. And so, you know, there's no paralysis and being overwhelmed at work. We've just got to get on with the job. So in doing that, we're, we're in a system where not only health is impacted, but healthcare organisations are impacted. And we need to be able to continue to deliver our services in spite of these trajectories. So we need to be more aware and we need to be uh, future-ready clinicians so that we can respond to the challenges, not only to health, but also our healthcare organisations continuing to function and operate and deliver services. And as Kate says, not only to deliver services, but to do them better by reducing the impact that we're having ourselves. And there's an increasing momentum to see that happening within healthcare. What are some practical things that healthcare practitioners or organisations, what, what can they do going into work tomorrow to help lower their emissions? 
I think the very starting point is understanding that, that this is in with, in scope for us because it hasn't been taught in our curriculum. We haven't necessarily understood this that this is a part of our role and we're very, very busy with the patient that is immediately in front of us and the workloads that go with that. So not only have we not necessarily been taught how to participate, that this is our role, we're also slammed for time. So having that confidence to understand that this is within scope with a, for us and then bringing it, bringing it into a familiar framework. And, you know, Kate's already uh, mentioned quality improvement. So it's normal practice for us to look at our work and to identify uh, aspects of healthcare that need improvement. So let's add a metric of sustainability to that. So considering how it can impact on uh, environmental, social or financial outcomes, including sustainability as a metric. And that's things like, you know, the number of, you know, I think of a nurse who introduced some caddies that she could cart round with her to, to do blood tests and deliver medications, and that saved 20,000 kidney dishes in her department. So being able to quantify the resources that we're saving and the money that we're saving and the environmental impacts that we're having maybe being, you know, if you can break it down to carbon emissions as well, that is incorporating it into work that we're already doing. And then you get to see the benefits and the savings, and that's encouraging for everybody as well. We have something called a Net Zero Leads program under which we fund 10 of our frontline staff, so nurses, doctors, physios, pharmacists, um, just one day a week each to lead on net zero projects in their service or specialty. Um, and the task for them, you know, in line with what Ros was saying is, you know, how do you develop, how do you deliver high-quality services in a low-carbon world? So rethinking and reimagining their specialty. But in terms of, you know, the answer the question about practical changes, a lot of the sort of low-hanging fruit, the initial things that our, our net zero leads are doing is about just reducing waste and inefficiency. So do we need to be, you know, the gloves are off campaign, you know, up to half of the non-sterile gloves, up to half of them are not clinically indicated. Um, so we reduce, you know, just with a simple staff education campaign, greatly reduce glove use. We're reducing, you know, inappropriate use of half compressors or barrier gowns and other things, inappropriate use of blood tests, you know, those sorts of things which actually improve care for patients, it's less harms and risk for patients using something that you don't need to use and it reduces costs and savings. So, you know, I often say just if everyone, you know, we have 140,000 staff in New South Wales Health, if everyone just chose one thing, you go to work tomorrow and you look at one thing that you can do, do that and do it well um, and if it works, we scale it up and share it. That's how we're going to get to net zero by a lot of people doing simple things each day. And I think one of the exciting things listening to Kate say that is that tremendous potential that can be released because we're all experts in our local area. But just looking at it with this new lens that includes sustainability and starts to recognise the changes that we can make. So we're not disempowered. We can be a part of the solutions. And when you bring those all together, it's actually a huge collective effect that we're having an accumulative benefit. What are the benefits to me as a patient by making these changes to reduce our emissions? There's three things we need to do to, to decarbonise clinical care. And the first one, of course, is keeping people healthy and well. You know? And that's because one type of carbon neutral health system would be a system in which we didn't have any patients. Okay? Everyone was healthy and well and independent in their homes and their communities. So that's just in recognition of the fact that so many things we do, every, you know, our colleagues do every day, keeping people healthy and well, exercise programs, healthy eating, but vaccination, public health, health promotion, 
all of those types of initiatives are actually sustainability initiatives to keep people healthy and well and happy and they reduce carbon emissions in the system. The second one, as Ros has called out, the second principle is reducing low-value care. You know? We know there's a substantial amount of overdiagnosis and overtreatment in the system, and those things have harms and risks um, and costs, harms and risks for patients, and also costs, not just financial costs, but carbon costs. Okay, So reducing low-value care, which we know from the literature up to 30 or 40% of the care that we provide is low-value care, um, has benefits for patients, really well aligned with quality and safety, of course, and reduces, um, you know, carbon and, and financial costs. And then I said the third principle is, okay, where we do have effective and evidence-based care, how do we decarbonise that? And that's about, you know, what type of anaesthetic gas are we using or how we're we reducing plastics in theatres and those sorts of things, which we can, you know, the evidence shows we can continue to provide quality healthcare. There's no, you know, it's, it's a maintenance of clinical care. You know, for, for a patient, having a different type of anaesthetic gas makes no difference to them clinically, but a big difference for the environment and in the case of something like desflurane, which is really expensive, a, fi a financial saving as well. So it's about maintaining or improving quality care and reducing those wastes and emissions. I think another aspect of that is when we identify these, sometimes you know we discover these things that we're doing in our local area, but we need to have them spread. It, it exists in little pockets. And so one of the things that we've done is we've said our members are constantly inventing or innovating ways to do better practice that includes sustainability in their departments. But we, they need a platform to be able to spread those thoughts and spread those ideas to others. So that's one of the reasons that we run the annual sustainability conference, because you put the members on a platform where others can learn about these innovations. So if we're talking about, you know, transforming healthcare and creating a, a cultural shift, a part of that is, is innovation. You come up with the idea in the first place. Another part of that is discovery where others learn about this new and better way of doing things. And then it diffuses throughout the organisation. So it's not an innovation. It's business as usual. It's just how we do things. And so for us, you know, everybody has a role to play. Everybody comes under, you know, the umbrellas of responsibility and opportunity. So creating our conference where members can get that word out the Green Nurses and Midwives Facebook page where they can, you know, spread it 24-7 and put up questions and get accurate information have been really important ways of supporting that cultural shift. Ros, you're going to be giving a presentation titled Workplace Sustainability and Environmental Reform, Be the Change. And Kate, you're talking about healthcare's carbon addiction, it's time to quit. So I want you to both imagine that you've just met me in the elevator on the way up to your presentation. You've got about 10 seconds to convince me that I need to come and see your presentation. So why is it absolutely crucial that I come and hear you talk at the Quality 2023 conference in Melbourne? Well, Laura, do you want to be a part of the solution? Because I would love to explain to you and show you ways in which you can be a part of the solutions in your workplace. You can feel like you are actually making a real difference and capturing that data so that others can learn from it as well. And I would say that addressing climate risk in healthcare is our best chance, the best chance we've ever had to improve the healthcare system and build a modern, high-quality healthcare system fit for the future. Mm -hmm.